Rusan army rising. The church is the breeding grounds for raising godly men and women who are willing to apply kingdom principles and values to bring transformation to their respective societies. We need to have a national focus. We don't have to lose this ambition or else we work against the Great Commission. They are equipped in righteousness. Unless our righteousness exceeds those who just know ABC and surprise others to do, but they don't do. Unless we see that. We pray for God to raise right ministers in our nations. We pray for God to raise right task collectors. We pray for God to raise right security agents. They are bold and fearless. Standing your ground when the battle has been heated to such an extent that everyone is running away. But we don't quit. For we know no defeat. The agenda. To possess the nations. Welcome to an equipping center of the word and prayer on Pentecost hour. Stay tuned in. Praise the Lord. We want to thank God for this morning and all that has taken place this morning. I speak to you on the topic, the new creation and the possessing the nation's agenda. Now, this script was actually prepared by our chairman and delivered at the heads meeting last year. And I just want to uh, bring a few things up for our consideration. The new creation and the possessing the nation's agenda. Now, in this presentation, we shall be looking at the armor of salvation, its importance and the role that it plays in the possessing the nation's agenda. And I have two objectives, people of God. The first objective is to establish the fact that we need to be a new creation to be able to possess the nations. In other words, what I'm trying to bring home is that it is the new creation that will possess the nations. And before we can really talk about possessing the nation's agenda, we must be newly created. It is the new creation that can possess the nations. And indeed, looking at the, the, the topics that we are looking at, you realize that the new creation is fundamental to all. We talk about um, the belt of truth, and you need to be uh, a new creation. You talk about faith, and you need to be a new creation. You talk about all the armors that we're talking about. You need to be a new creation. So you realize that the new creation is fundamental to all. And I want to establish the fact that the new creation it is the new creation that will or that can possess the nations. Now, the second objective is this, that if we will be successful, or we want to establish the fact that if we will be successful in this world, or if we shall live successfully in this world, and proclaim and establish the kingdom of God in all spheres, then we need a revelational knowledge of our identity in Christ, and his understanding of the purpose of the salvation. What I mean is this. If we want to be, we live successfully in this world, if we want to proclaim and establish the kingdom of God, then we need a certain kind of knowledge of our identity in Christ. We must have that knowledge of who we really are in Christ. And then we must also have that understanding of the purpose of our salvation. If we are to live successfully in this world and if we are to proclaim and establish the kingdom of God. And the kind of knowledge that we're talking about is not head knowledge, but we're talking about a revelational knowledge, a knowledge that comes out of revelation. And so the second objective of my presentation is this, that if you want to be successful, want to live successfully in this world, if you want to proclaim and establish the kingdom of God in all spheres, then we need a certain kind of knowledge concerning our identity in Christ, and we need a certain kind of understanding of our salvation. And that knowledge that we're talking about is not just a book knowledge, or just not a head knowledge, but we're talking about knowledge that is revelational. Shall we hear amen, please? Now, let me begin by saying this. That all of us are aware that God created the heavens and the earth and created everything that is in this world. And God created human beings. He created humankind. But it's important for us to know that God created humankind for a purpose. And the purpose for 
God creating human being was that that man would manage and take care of the world. And so the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 that the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And so God created human beings and he created his for a purpose. And the purpose for which he created us was that we were to manage the world, we were to keep the world, we were to take care of the world. Now for human beings to be successful managers, God gave gifts to us. And the gifts, some of them are gifts within and some of them are gifts without. Now when I talk of gifts within, I'm talking about the talents and the abilities that God gave unto mankind. And so for us to be able to manage the world successfully, God gave gifts to us. He gave gifts within us. He gives us abilities. He gave us talents. And then when we talk of gifts without, we are talking about the sun. We are talking about the minerals. We are talking about the trees. We are talking about all the things, the environment, all the things that we have. And so God gave us this gift so that we will be able to manage God's creation. Let me say this, that abilities differ because of who you are and God's purpose for your life. So I may have different abilities from my brother. He may also have some different talents from you. But the reason is that this differs because of God's purpose for your life and because of who you are. But it's important for us to know that God created us to manage the world. God created us to take the world, take care of the world. And because of that, he gave us abilities. He gave us talents. And he gave us also gifts around so that we'll be able to manage all these things. But somehow, man fell. Man disobeyed God. In the, in the process, man did exactly what God told him not to do. So soon, man became disobedient to the Lord and fell. And this is the reason why the new creation is needed. The need for the new creation was because of the fall of man in the garden of Eden. And so, man fell, man disobeyed God, man sinned, and because of that, there was the need for man to be recreated. And so, if someone comes to Christ, he is born again. Therefore, every Christian, every child of God is born twice. First of all, we are born biologically. And so, our brothers, the Presbyterians, will say, Kaino, na me na wo, o me na wo, wo me. Yeah, so every child of God, every Christian is born twice, born biologically, born of your parents. But that is not alone. The child of God is born spiritually in Christ. Now, it is this second birth that we have that is called the new creation. It is the second birth, the rebirth that we have which is called the new creation. So when we talk of the new creation, we are talking about the new birth, the second birth. And so the saved or born again is the new creation. The one who has been saved, the one who has been born again is the new creation. The Bible says that if someone be in Christ, he is a new creation. If somebody comes to Christ, if somebody comes into Christ, if somebody is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old have passed. And behold, everything has become new. And so as you sit there, as I stand there, we are the new creation. And we are the new creation because we have been born again. We are the new creation because we have, we have been saved. The saved, the born again, is the new creation. But you see, people of God, just as the old creation or the old man was created with a purpose, so the new creation is also created with the purpose. And so God created us anew. But when He created us anew, He created us with a purpose. And the purpose for the new creation is this that we are saved to serve the King. Shall we all say it together? We are saved 
Are we in church? Then look at the one sitting by you. Look at him or her and tell him that we are saved to serve the king. And so we have been born again. We have been recreated. We have been saved for one reason, for one purpose. And the purpose for our new birth, the purpose for the new creation is to serve the king. The Bible says that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And so from this scripture, we see God's expectation of the new creation. We see what God is expecting from the new creation. And what is it that God is expecting from the new creation? God expects the new creation to serve our king and also to pursue righteousness. I repeat, God expects the new creation. God's expectation, expectation for the new creation is for us to serve the king and also to pursue righteousness. Now, what do I mean by this statement? What I mean is this, that we are expected to apply the values and the principles of God's kingdom and to become Christ-like in everything that we do. Listen carefully. We have been saved. We have been newly created to serve our king and to pursue righteousness. And we do that by applying the values and the principles of God's kingdom and to become Christ-like in everything that we do. And so in everything that we do, we have one objective. And our objective is to become like Christ. The new creation must become like Christ. We must act like Christ. We must talk like Christ. We must speak like Christ. We must do everything like Christ. And so we do that by applying the values and the principles of God's kingdom and to become Christ-like in everything that we do. Now, put differently, what we mean is this. We are to establish and extend the values of God's kingdom on earth so that the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdom of God. And so God has called us with one objective. God has saved us We have been recreated to serve our king and to pursue righteousness. Can I hear amen, church? Now, listen carefully. We are on a battlefield. The chairman yesterday mentioned it, that we do not need to be told that we are on a battlefield. We are aware that we are on a battlefield. We are army, we are soldiers. But one of the weapons that the new creation needs in fighting the enemy and establishing the kingdom of God in this world is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Let it be established in our minds that we are in a battlefield. We are doing battle. And it is no news to us when it is mentioned that we are doing battle. No, it is no news to us. Because once you are you are enlisted. Once you are, you are newly created, once you are born again, you are already in a battlefield. But we need some weapons. And one of the weapons which we really need to be able to do a good battle is the helmet of salvation. Now, historically, if you look at the Roman soldier, the first century Roman soldier, um, you will see that he has this helmet which was usually made of made of a tough metal like bronze or iron so you will see them dressed and as part of their dressing they will have a helmet and that helmet was usually made up of bronze or iron a very tough metal and inside was lined with a felt or a sponge to make that weight bearable now that helmet heavy helmets were difficult to pierce by a sword or a hammer or an axe. The helmets that they wore, it was difficult, not impossible. I mean, it was difficult, if not impossible, for a hammer to break it, for a sword to pierce it, or for for something to affect it. And so, the helmets were so heavy that it was very difficult to pierce it by a sword of hammer, 
or an art. Now, let me also say that as new creation, we have a weapon. And that weapon is the helmet of salvation. What do we mean when we talk of the helmet of salvation, people of God? The helmet of salvation is this. is to guide your mind with knowledge about who you are in Christ. When we talk of the helmet of salvation, we are talking about guiding your mind with knowledge of who you are in Christ. Permit me to say this again. When we talk of knowledge, we are not talking about book knowledge or we are not talking about head knowledge, but we are talking about revelational knowledge. And so, when we talk of the helmet of salvation, we are talking about guiding your mind with knowledge, not just cognitive knowledge, but also a revelational knowledge of who you are in Christ. That is, having knowledge, a revelational knowledge of your forgiveness of sins, the fact that your sins have been forgiven you, having that knowledge about the fact that you have been delivered from Satan, having that knowledge about the fact that you have been adopted as a child in the household of God, having that knowledge or being confident or having that confident expectation of the resurrection and then having the hope of his coming. And so when we talk of the helmet of salvation, simply we are talking about guiding your mind with the knowledge of your identity, of who you are in Christ. The fact that our sins have been forgiven. The fact that we have been delivered from the hands of Satan. The Bible says that we have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and we have been relocated into the kingdom of his beloved son. The fact that we have been delivered, we've, we've been taken out of the hands of Satan. The fact that we have been adapted as children of God. And so, uh, so long as you are, or as far as you are, you are a child of God. The Bible says that for them that believed in him and those that accepted his name, he gave them power to become children of God. And this is the knowledge that we're talking about. The knowledge of who you are, your identity in Christ. Now, people of God, it is this kind of knowledge that brings transformation. It is this kind of knowledge that brings renewal. It renews the inner man and eventually affects the conduct. And so the new creation must understand his salvation. The new creation must understand his salvation. And this is the key in keeping your mind focused on Christ and the task. Can I hear him in church? Apostle Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, also identified this helmet with the hope of full salvation. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, have it put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, and, and for a helmet, the hope of our salvation. Now, church, listen. Just as the soldier's helmet protects their heads from harm, so also the knowledge of our salvation and the understanding of our deliverance we have received in Christ and the hope we have for his return protect us from every lies of the enemy. I'll repeat it. The helmet of a soldier, the first century soldier, the helmet protects him from harm. It protects his head from harm. And just as the soldier's helmet protects their heads from harm, so also the knowledge of our salvation. And you remember I have said that when I talk of the knowledge, I'm not talking about book knowledge. I'm not talking about cognitive knowledge, but I'm talking about a revelational knowledge. And so just as the helmet protects 
the soldier from him, so also the knowledge of our salvation and understanding of the deliverance we have received in Christ and the hope we have for his return protect us from every lies of the enemy. And please, take note. There are so many lies in the system. The devil is throwing so many lies at believers. And the target is your mind. He wants to get your mind. And once he can get your mind, he knows that he has gotten you. But your knowledge of your salvation, the knowledge of, and your, the knowledge of your deliverance, the understanding of the deliverance that you have received, which is your helmet of salvation, that will protect your head from every lies that the devil throws at you. And that is why it is very important for the new creation to have the helmet of salvation on at all times because the lies are becoming many and the lies day in day out there are so many lies coming into the system but the knowledge that you have concerning your identity in Christ the knowledge that you have the understanding that you have concerning the salvation that you have received these will protect your head from every kind of lies can I hear amen Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 59 from 15 to 17 and let me show you a few things there. Isaiah chapter 59 15 to 17. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it and pleased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. Now take note of verse 17. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head. Now this scripture was prophetic. It was a scripture concerning the coming of Christ. And he was talking about how Christ entered into this world. And he said that he entered into this world with a helmet of salvation. And so when Jesus entered into this world, he came in with a helmet of salvation on his head. And it is this helmet that caused him to be focused. Jesus entered into the world with a helmet And this shows the focus of his mind on what he had come to achieve. He had come to possess the world. He had come to save the world. He had come to deliver the world. But he had the helmet of salvation on. He had that helmet on. And so when he came into this world, his mind was focused and was focused on what exactly he had come to do. And just as Jesus came into this world, Wearing this helmet, we will be able to possess the world if we also enter into the world with this helmet. If we enter into this world with a focused mind on the purpose of our calling, when we have that focused mind, just as Jesus had, we would be able to enter into the world, we will be able to focus on our calling, we will be able to transform the world with the values of the principles of the kingdom so it is important brothers and sisters to stay focused on this truth and be conscious about it listen carefully in the midst of the crowd you should still have it in your mind that you are born again in the midst of the crowd wherever you find yourself even in the office for our brothers and sisters and even in our church rooms in our farms wherever you find you should have it at the back of your mind that you are born again. The new creation is so powerful. People of God, the new creation has enormous power. Not only to manage God's creation, but the new creation has authority over the powers of darkness and over demons. And so the new creation as we see, as we sit here and as we stand here, as the new creation, We have enormous powers. We are full of powers. 
powers to manage God's creation, but most importantly, powers over the authority of Satan and over the powers of darkness. The Bible says that the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. Even demons, in the name of Jesus Christ, as you walk out of this conference, may demons bow down to you, even in the name of Jesus Christ. So they returned and said, the Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority. Behold, I have given you authority. We are talking about the power of the new creation. The new creation has power. The new creation has enormous authority. We have power and authority. The new creation has both the command and courage. Ah, the new creation has power and authority. And the Bible says that I have given you authority to tread on serpents and on scorpions, to walk on serpents and scorpions, and then to walk over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In the name of Jesus, walk out of this conference as someone who is going to walk on scorpions. In the name of Jesus, walk out of this conference as someone who is going to walk on serpents. In the name of Jesus, walk out of this conference as someone who has power over the enemy to walk over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Please, we are not underestimating the power of the evil one. We know he has some powers, but the good news is that we have much more power. We have much more superior power. We have superior authority. As new creation, God has endowed us with power Power to be able to walk on scorpions. Power to be able to walk on serpents. Powers to be able to walk on even the power of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, may you take your rightful position as a new creation endowed with power. Listen carefully. The new creation is created like God. The new creation is created like God. We have been created to be like God. And every Christian must keep this truth in his or her mind. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24 says that the new creation has been created to be like God, to live in true righteousness and holiness. Let me read Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24 from the English Standard Version. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and so the new creation, as a new creation, you have been created to be like God. You have been created in the likeness, after the likeness of God. In true righteousness and in holiness. Therefore, a true Christian, a new creation, can live in holiness in the midst of this perverse generation. The generation may be corrupt. The generation may be perverse. But the new creation... God has given us the power to be able to live in holiness and in righteousness. In fact, everything we need to be able to act like God, behave like God, command like God, and deal with the devil like God has already been given unto us. Everything that we need. His divine power has given us all that we need for godliness and for life. And so everything that we need to be able to behave like God to act like God, to command like God, and also to deal with the devil like God, all that we need has already been given unto us. What we need to do is to rekindle the spirit's fire that is in us. It's, what is, we need to do is to fan into flame the spirit's fire that is in us. For everything that we need has already been given to us to be like God. And to live in raw holiness and to live in righteousness just as God will do. In fact, the new creation is God's handiwork. The new creation is God's tool. The new, new creation is, has been created by God for good works. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God 
prepared in advance for us. Amen, church. Are we in church? I said amen. amen. Now, I would want to look at Jesus' model. Okay? I want to look at Jesus' model. In trying to look at Jesus' model, we shall be looking at two things. We'll look at the new creation as God's agent of transformation and then the new creation as a branch of the true vine. So I'll look at just two, these two things and then I'll be done. The new creation as God's agent of transformation and then the new creation as a branch of the true vine. Now let me begin with the new creation as God's agent of transformation. Now when we talk of an agent, people of God, an agent is a person or a business authorized to act on one's, another person's behalf. An agent is also a person who acts in official capacity for a government or a private agency. So if I'm an agent of you, I act on your behalf. I represent you in meetings. I act on you. I'll say what you will say and all that. Now, Jesus came into the world as God's agent of transformation. We are looking at Jesus' model. And the first thing that we are looking at is um, the new creation as God's agent of transformation. And I'm saying that Jesus came into this world as God's agent of transformation. So while he was on earth, he was God's agent of transformation. And Jesus is our big brother. Jesus is our example. He's our example of what an agent of transformation is. And so for us who have been born again, we should be like him. And John chapter 4 verse 17, the King James Version says that, as he is, so we are in this world. So, so far as we are in this world, we, the new creation, are to be like him. And he was God's agent of transformation. For that matter, if we are to be like him, then we are also supposed to be God's agent of transformation in this world. An agent always knows that he will go back to the sender. An agent will always go back to the sender. And when Jesus was on earth, as God's agent of transformation, he knew that he would always go back to his father. And so he spoke about it when he was on earth. The Bible says that he said, I came from the father and entered the well. And now I am leaving the well and I'm going back to the father. He knew that as an agent, he would definitely go back to the father. And so Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe you that you came from the father. And so Jesus knew who he was and he knew the time he would leave. And he knew that he would go back to the father. And when Jesus completed his mission, he ascended into heaven where he had come from. People of God, now listen. The new creation, therefore, is God's agent on earth for transformation. And you should always remember that. That as a new creation... You are God's agent for transformation. God is hoping in you. God hopes in you that you will become his agent of transformation. The Bible says that for Christ in you, he is the hope of glory. Christ who is in us is the hope of glory. Christ who is in us is God's hope that you and I, as a new creation, we shall become God's agent of transformation. And so we cannot be walking in this world just like that and carry the title we are born again. We are born again. And carry the title we are, we are God's new creation. Just like that. We, are, we have been created anew to be God's agent.
for transformation on earth. Just as Jesus came into this world as God's agent of transformation, so do we also go into this world as God's agent of transformation. We go into this world as God's agent of transformation in two fronts. First, as salt. We go into this world as agents of transformation, as salt. Salt to heal the corruption of the world. The chairman said yesterday that when we say that the world is corrupt, it is no news. Even God knows that the world is corrupt. And so the world is corrupt. And that is what the new creation has been made. That is why you have been created anew. That is why you have been born again. And you have been sent into this world as salt. And we must affect this world with our saltiness. We must bring healing to the corruption of this world. And wherever we find ourselves, because of us, there should not be any corruption. Because we are the salt of the world. But not only are we the salt of the world, but we go into the world as God's agents of transformation, in the, as lights of the world. The whole world is full of darkness. And Jesus came into this world as the light of this world. The Bible says that whilst he was on earth, he said, I am the light of the world. So long as I remain in this world, I am the light of the world. But he knew that a day will come that he will be taken away. A day will come that he will not be physically present in this world. And that is why he called the new creation and made the new creation the light of the world. And so now you and I have become the light of the world. And wherever we go, our lights must shine. Wherever we go, darkness must flee. Wherever we go, darkness must run. The Bible says that light shines into darkness. And darkness did not comprehend it. In other words, the darkness ran away from light. In the same way, you and I as new creation, by the grace of God, has made us a new creation and has made us light of this world. And our presence in this world must drive away darkness. Your presence in that office must drive away darkness in that office. Your presence in that home must drive away darkness. Your presence in that school must drive away darkness because you are the light of the world. So long as I remain in this world, I am the light of the world. But days are coming that I will be gone to the Father. And so you are the light of this world. And we go to shine as the world, as the light of this world. I pray in the name of Jesus, may the Lord grant us the grace to be able to shine as the light of the world. I pray in the name of Jesus, if our lights are becoming dim and dimmer and dimmer, and we are not able to shine as we have to shine, oh, may the Lord be our help. And may new oil be poured into our lamp so that we will continually, at all times and on all days, will shine as light of the world. And so remember that the first model is that Jesus entered into this world as God's agent of transformation. And so you and I, as God's as new creation, we are supposed to be agents of transformation. The last bit that I need to bring attention to, ladies and gentlemen, is the new creation as a branch of the true vine. The new creation as a branch of the true vine. We'll read about two or so scriptures from here and then I will illustrate something. Let's go to Zachariah chapter 3. Zachariah chapter 3. Verse 8. I'm reading from the New International Version. Listen, High Priest Joshua, you and your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come. I am going to bring my servant, the branch. I am going to bring my, this is God speaking, to Zac, I mean through Zachariah. And he's saying that I am going to bring my servant, the branch. Now my servant here suggests that it's a human being. My servant suggests that, or it's a personality. And so God is going to bring somebody he calls his servant and he calls him the branch now if you look at the branch there is a definite article so he's not talking about any branch but he's talking about a specific branch so I'm going to bring my servant who is the branch 
Another interesting thing that you need to know is that if you look into your Bible, you'll find out that the white branch there, the spellings begins with a capital B. What does it suggest? Now, it means that it's a proper noun. And we know from our, those of us who even went to Bolechi, we know that when we talk of proper noun, it's the name of a, a, a person or a place. And so this one is talking about a person who is called the branch. And so the B starting is a capital B, who suggests that we are talking about a human being. Now, let's go to the same book, chapter 6, Zechariah chapter 6, and it will make it a bit more clearer. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Zechariah chapter 6, 12 and 13. Tell him, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man. Now, he's been specific here. He says that here is the man. And so we know that there is a man he's talking about, the man, whose name is the branch. Here is the man whose name is the branch. And so we see that there is a man and that man has a name and that name is the branch. Here, so you find out that he's he's beginning it with a, a, a capital B. So here is the man whose name is the branch and he will branch out from his place. The branch will branch out of his place. And build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord. And he will be clothed with majesty. And sit and rule on throne. And he will be a priest on his throne. He will be a priest on his throne. Obviously, he's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the son of God. Who? is both a priest and a king. Now, you remember that in the Old Testament era, the offices of the priest and the king never got combined. And you remember that King Saul attempted to behave like a priest and he was in trouble. And again, you remember that King Uzziah attempted to play the role of a priest and he was in trouble. But, you see, this man that we're talking about, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he is not only priest, but he is also a king. And so he is both priest and king. Now, so the branch that we are talking about here, we are talking about Jesus Christ, the branch, who will branch out, and he will branch out to do what? He will branch out to build the house of God. He will branch out to build the people of God. He will, so he is both the priest and the king people of god now let's look at how jesus branched let's look at how the branch branched now the bible says that jesus even though he is god he did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped but he left the glory and came on earth he humbled himself And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. The implication is this. That despite the fact that Jesus was in the position of God, Jesus Christ, who is the branch, branched and came down to earth and came and saved us. The branch, who is God, did not count equality with God as something to grasp, but the branch branched out and came down on earth, took upon him humanity just to save us. And when he had finished with his assignment, he went back to his position. And that is why he is called the branch. He branched to establish the temple of the Lord He branched to establish the house of God. He branched and came down to save us. Listen carefully. As a branch, he needed to be anointed. When he walked on this earth as a branch, he needed 
to be anointed. And this is what Isaiah writes of him in chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his root, a branch will bear fruit. Now listen. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And so the branch needed to be anointed. And I remember what he said about himself. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner. And recovery of sight for the blind. He to search the oppressed free. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Listen carefully what Peter said. Peter said, And how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. God anointed the branch. When the branch was on earth, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now listen carefully. Let me use the chairman's phrase. Now the big one. The new creation is a branch of the true vine. Jesus branched. But when we have been made a new creation, we have also become a branch of the new vine. And John chapter 15 from verse 1 to 5 makes it clear. But if you focus on the 5, he says that, I am the vine. And you are the branches. And so, I didn't know. But I've come to know and realize that as I walk around, as I interact, as I, I jump, as I sit, as I sleep, as I lay, I am a branch of the true vine. And you also are a branch of the true vine. Now this means that just as he branched out to come and save us, it means that we also need to move out. We have to branch. We have to move out. Move out of our, of our comfortable position. Yesterday, chairman said, and I remember, that the objective or the goal of Vision 2023 is a church which members go. And so if we are branches, then we have to also go. We also have to move out of our comfortable places. Listen carefully. We come to church, we have good sound, we have good equipment, we have good music. I used to tell PRWC that we have every sound that we needed. Every musical instrument that we needed. Church service was good. We had a good choir. But that is not enough. As branches, we have to move out of the comfortable places. I came to encourage somebody today that it is time for you to move out because you are a branch. It is time for you to branch. And so this means that as branches, we need to move out of a comfortable position. Branches can also to refer to a subdivision of the main, a local operation division. And therefore, we are a subdivision of Christ and his local operation. Listen carefully. We must always remember that as branches, we are little Jesuses. As branches, we are little Jesuses. I said, as branches. We are little Jesuses. And look at so many of us here. Look at little Jesuses all around here. And as we go out there, and we branch out to impact generations, to impact our society, look at the many little Jesuses that have branched out impacting the society. People of God, the new creation is powerful. Yeah, the new creation is powerful. The new creation it's a little Jesus. And that is why we have to act like Jesus will act. That is why we have to talk like Jesus will talk. That is why we have to command as Jesus will command. That is how we have to use the authority that as Jesus will give us, people of God. And so, let us understand 
that just as the main branch was also anointed, we, little branches, have also been anointed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand in Christ. Then he adds, He anointed us. And so, the new creation has been anointed to branch out. Don't waste the anointing. I said, don't waste the anointing. Receive not the grace of God in vain. Don't waste the grace of God that you have received. For the new creation has been anointed to branch out. Just as the main branch was anointed, so we also, as little Jesuses, as branches, have been anointed. Let me conclude. In this presentation, we have discussed the new creation, who we are, the purpose for which we have been created. In our attempt to explore why there is the need for the new creation beyond the salvation of our souls from sin, we have established that we are agents of transformation and branches of our Lord Jesus Christ, the true vine. We are God's kingdom. Our priority, therefore, should be the expansion of the kingdom on earth. This should be our number one priority. May God help us so we can take our positions as the new creation for it is the new creation who has the capacity to possess the nations. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to today's word. Subscribe to our social media handles for life transforming messages. Thank you.